Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into Dao De Jing and other Taoist classics to uncover their timeless wisdom and to talk about how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Hi, Ian. Morning, David. Good morning. How are you doing? Pretty well. It's been a nice morning. Just me and the tomato plants. Great. So, so you're treating your tomato plants really well. It, from the way that they look, I would say I must be treating them the best I've ever treated them. They're they're huge. They're so just uh, full of life and just fluffy and. All of them, but one, seem like they're producing a lot of flowers. There's one who still hasn't made any flowers yet, but the rest of them are just—they're the healthiest I've ever seen. My plants, my tomato plants. That's that's great. So you are really assisting with、uh, heaven and earth. Trying, trying to just—I I don't have to do much. They pretty much take care of themselves. That's good. That's good. Well, today we are talking about heaven and earth. We're we're going to study about the how heaven and earth、uh, operates. So we're、uh, getting to、uh, chapter five of Dao De Jing. And、uh, to get started,、uh, would you would you、uh, read the original text in Chinese、uh, to our listeners, and then I can help. You know,、uh, share the、uh, one version of the translation for that chapter. I will take a stab at it. Great. 天地不仁，以万物为刍狗。圣人不仁，以百姓为刍狗。天地之间。其有橐叶乎？畜而不屈，动而欲出。多言数穷，不如手中。Perfect, perfect. Yeah, let me.、Uh, I've found、uh, several translations, but this one. Uh, is you know is one of my favorites. So I'll uh, it's uh, partially it's a literal translation, but I think there's some additional extension of the meaning. So let me share with our listeners this one. Heaven and earth are impartial. They give rise to both good and evil. The master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. To her, none are especially dear, nor is there anyone she dis- disfavors. She gives and gives, without condition, offering her treasures to everyone. The space between heaven and earth is like a bellows. It is empty and inexhaustible. The more it is used, the more it produces. The more you talk of it, the less you comprehend. Hold on to the center. Man was made to sit quietly and find the truth within. That last sentence is.、Uh... Um, interesting. Where where does that one come from? The last one. Yeah, the one、It's、about sitting. Last... Yeah. Which one? About sitting quietly. Well, it is the the one that、um, has the ah, 不若守于中 like 多闻数穷 Okay. Like oh wait um. Do do、um, the it's the last one you read? Yeah. Yeah. There's a center like a zhong in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk more about it、uh, as we uh, 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 progress.、Um, so first of all, I want to、um, 
talked about the overall focus of this chapter. So based on your reading, what do you think is the, um, the main focus of Lao Tzu here? Well, he's taking a very high level view and trying to zoom out from human experience and paint a, a broader picture of existence and and one where people aren't the center of the universe they're they're part of something that yes it includes people but it doesn't exist for people right 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 so it's really obvious in the uh, first sentence of this chapter, right? Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain just some key words in that sentence and uh, connect them? So just to kind of explain, you know, the nature of existence. Well, the 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 key word in in the first part is ren, which is is kind of a I don't know its origins in Chinese language, but it's it's mm -hmm. associated a lot with Confucianism, with Kongzhu. Yeah. And, and it's essentially just about human relations, relations and people being humane to one another, which is important. But in, in Lao Tzu's writing in this chapter, really saying, yes, there is humanity, but the universe doesn't act according to hu humane ideas or, or notions. It, it treats things more, um, it's, it creates and destroys without respect to species or mm -hmm. how important people believe that their situation is. Heaven and earth operate on a different way. It doesn't include that consideration yeah yeah it seems like uh laozi and kongzi uh you know uh, you know they they have a different uh different uh focus or different points of view like uh ren uh as you said is definitely you know the primary is actually a a, a key concept uh for confucianism uh, prior to that, because Confucianism was built upon, you know, earlier transitions. Mm. The earlier transitions actually uh, during the uh, the Western Zhou Dynasty, that's mm. before Confucius, uh, actually talked more about the De. Mm. De was originally the um, a key concept, and mm. then uh, and and also that De was limited. Uh, it's, it has very strong political uh, connotation because she western zhou was uh because bef prior to that is the shang dynasty shang dynasty uh was um uh was basically the, the the last uh rulers of the shang dynasty was so getting so um um ruthless mm. and lost the mandate of heaven then western zhou took over but it tries to justify, you know, the legitimacy uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to just to, to claim they have legitimacy because they have de, and then heaven and earth kind of favors them. And that's the same does Dao De Jing. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, uh, um, uh, Lao Tzu's de is different from that de of the Western Zhou because the Western Zhou is uh, still very kind of a tribal. You know, mm -hmm. it's like whoever, you know, heaven seems to have, a, mm -hmm. you know, unlike in this chapter, heaven uh, does favor uh, somebody mm -hmm. who has to. Okay. Yeah. Then the key difference is the, the, the decline with the decline of the Western uh, Zhou dynasty. I think what Confucius was to do, like, say, to build that continuity uh, within the Chinese tradition is try to broaden it and say that Ren is actually is not just the uh, domain of the, the 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 princes or the rulers. It it's already in in, in everybody mm. in the human relations. 
So that kind of evolution. But still, I would say that, you know, Laozi, when I read this text, uh, Laozi is a very, uh, it's not human centric. Yeah. Obviously. So that's where I think it's getting very interesting because, you know, whether, you know, you live the old tradition of China or you see the world today, I feel like a lot of times we think in human terms, mm -hmm. most, I mean, almost most of the time. Yeah, I'd say 99, 99% <laughs> of the people, 99% of the time. Yeah, it's, it's very much just about my individual worldview and all very much about my life situated deeply within my my culture my time um yeah just a very 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 centered around an individual life yes so this perspective of laozi uh, I, I'm wondering what it, what can be the implication? We, what can we learn from this uh, observation? You know, he has regarding heaven and earth. How does that change our perspective regarding existence? Well, I think this is why it is so critical that you and I are taking years now just exploring this book and the themes in it because if you just read each chapter and kind of move on mm -hmm. there's not really time for Lao Tzu's words to really dig in take root and have any effect you would just read this and be like oh yeah that's poetic and that's kind of cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then kind of go back to, you know, reading today's news or whatever. Right. But I think if you take Lao Tzu's words in this chapter and particularly combine them with, you know, other broader philosophical ideas and notions, you, you might have the same realization that Lao Tzu had, which is, wow, there's this amazing thing going on and people are just a tiny part of it and even though people tend to see things through their kind of egocentric way mm -hmm. of viewing the world that's actually an illusion and just something kind of a convenience to navigate life but it gets in the way of actually experiencing a bigger fullness of life where each person isn't the center of the universe. Right, right, right. Um, so it, in other words, it kind of uh, broadens our perspective, take us beyond this egocentric or human centric mm -hmm. view of the world. Uh, uh yeah, I'd say both, both. E egocentric and human centric, because I think even, you know, we can be, we tend to be egocentric, but even if we're not egocentric, we're, I think it's still very easy to get caught up in seeing the world through as a being about our species. Yeah, like a human progress, you know, technology, yeah. Yeah. the power of civilization. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this first sentence, uh, it uses a word, a very interesting word, like chugo. Mm. Would you uh, explain for our listeners what it is, what it symbolizes? So, you know, I, I think I just have a, a, a pretty, my understanding of this word is centered through this text. And so I'm sure there's a a much broader understanding of, mm -hmm. of how it was used back in Lao Tzu's time. But it's essentially there would be animals or dogs created out of straw that were used in sacrificial ceremonies. And so Lao Tzu's using this to illustrate, hey, the we, we think that our lives 
you know, the universe must be here just for me and my existence. But what Lao is saying here is that no, the, the universe considers your life like a sacrificial, like one of these straw dogs. It, yeah, it serves a purpose, but it's not about, it's not about existing for that individual life. So in other words, um, it has a particular kind of life cycle. Would you, wouldn't you say? Because uh, that sacrificial, that uh, straw dog, uh, you know, based on uh, my research, it seems like there's like a before, before the sacrifice and after sacrifice. Yeah. Before sacrifice or, or before and during the sacrifice, it's really treated with reverence. Mm. It also, it was decorated in a very, uh, you know, nice way. Mm. And the, in order to fulfill a certain function or purpose, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. after that, you know, it's just thrown away or maybe added to the fire or, or something. Mm -hmm. So that sounds, that seems to me, it reminds me of, um, you know, in Buddhism, there's this law of impermanence. Mm -hmm. You know, we all kind of hold on to something. I mean, if you look at the politicians, right? Uh, or, you know, when you are in power, you're fulfilling, you're like a sacrificial uh, straw dog, but they don't see that way. Yeah, <laughs> they are full of themselves, huh? Yeah. Yes, ideally they would be, but no, yeah. Ideally, yeah. But, uh, you know, there may be some, I don't know, like, you know, if you believe in the legends of the uh, George Washington, I, I think he may have had some wisdom to look at, put his position into perspective. Because I heard the story, like a lot of people try to turn him into a, like a, a, a traditional monarch, mm -hmm. like in Europe, yeah. in the old world. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's a very interesting, that really, really kind of... A, give us some perspective, no matter, you know, who we are or where we are. Uh, we are part of this universal or cosmic, you know, operation or work. And I think you, the, the way that you described it was so key, too, because while it's serving a purpose, like you said, it's treated with, with reverence. And of course, that's how we, we experience our lives. We really revere our own lives. We revere the lives of our loved ones. And for some people, they even revere the lives of other species or strangers. And so there's not a contradiction there that actually the more that we get into these deeper philosophical mm -hmm. concepts, we see that two seemingly contradictory or opposing ideas or states can exist simultaneously and actually be required for more wholeness or more completeness. You are exactly right. I think that's exactly what came to mind when you're talking about that. Uh, once we realize there is that sacredness or mm -hmm. holiness, so we are better, you know, to, we, we realize that we become a better steward, mm -hmm. steward of the time we have, the role we have, the relationship we have. So suddenly it makes you realize, oh, wow, you know, this won't last. So I'll take mm -hmm. good care of it. Mm -hmm. So that coexists with that overall law of impermanence. Exactly. Uh, so that's one realization. The other realization is um, we are, um, I guess, the sort of the 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 essence or the form. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but in other words, oh, okay, I, I see. Um, it's not about us. So sometimes we, we, you know, like you see people who are egocentric, 
they make the you know without realizing they are part of a bigger whole. They sh- they they shine the light, you know. They are under spotlight. They thought it's all about themselves. Mm-hmm. So this straw dog seems to say, well, you are only taking a form. So don't don't、um, fall in love with that form you have, yeah. Yeah. right? You know,、um, but focus on fulfilling that function、uh, given to you.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's how heaven and earth. Uh, what what do you think of the um, like 不仁 Um, some people say, "Wow, you know, that that tells that you know is that the universe so cold and."、Uh, Cold and cruel in some way, because in the、uh, tr- you know traditional context of Ren, you know it's like treating people with kindness. Or in Confucianism, it talks about you you have kind of that kind of a、uh, discriminating love. In other words, like so, first of all, you have to your your closest relationship is your your mom and dad. So you treat them, and then gradually you treat your Brothers and sisters, and your wives, and then to other friends. So that kind of ren is really not the Christian like universal love. So、mm-hmm. in, in, it's like the closest relationship you have, you have more that kind of ren,、mm-hmm. right? But in here, if you you talked about here, it sounds like heaven and earth.、Um, they are not favoring anybody. Which reminds me of through history, you know, how many times different people, different tribes, different religions claim,、mm-hmm. you know, God is on their side. Yep, still, and we still do it. I mean, there's, I'm sure, if you did a survey of Americans, probably the majority would say something about like,、mm-hmm. at least a. a A sizable portion of people would say that God favors America. That、mm. there, there's a God, and God favors America. That God is using America for His purpose, and and of course, like, I, I mean, if you just look around the evidence of life with your eyes open for even a minute, you can see. That yes, there there is no favoritism going on. I mean,、mm-hmm. anim, animals eat other animals while they're alive to survive.、Mm-hmm. People do horrible things to each other. There's random acts of violence where people are killed. Just I mean, just you only have to look at the news in America for one week and just see.、Mm-hmm. There, No one is favored. There's no favoritism anywhere in the world. There's just this life feeding on itself. Mm-hmm. 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 So, what does that mean?、Uh, once we, so so, why people are blind to these facts that you just mentioned? Well, this is stepping a little bit outside of. Taoism, but I, I, but it supports the things that Lao Tzu says.、Um, you know, I think some of the the best thesis on why people do how people why people have those blind spots that they do,、mm-hmm. and you know, at at the core of our being, underneath our, all of our day to day consciousness, there is this. Kind of void of its emptiness in a way, but it's also this realization of death, and that、mm-hmm. um, you know, as a as a mental state, we could call it despair. And pe- some of the best writers on the state of 
despair. Um, Joran is probably the best writer on it. But when we actually really fully confront that all of our life is kind of this illusion that, you know, isn't going to last, you Mm -hmm. can be put into that pit of despair where there's nothingness, annihilation, no purpose, no meaning, the, the dread of annihilation. And to avoid experiencing that face to face fully in a way that can be transformative, we have our egos Mm -hmm. and our egos are wrapped up in self-esteem. And if we don't have self-esteem, we kind of fall from this fan, this web of fantasies that we create, that we exist in floating above experience and can fall into that pit of despair. And so really people don't realize it, but they're constantly actively trying to maintain that sense of self-esteem so that they don't fall into confronting that annihilation face to face. And, and that's why we're programmed very early on by our culture and society to tell us things like, you know, America is special. You, your, your family Mm -hmm. is special. You know, these, this, this means something very significant. I mean, we're kind of programmed with all these cultural symbols to give us this sense of purposefulness and importance. We're told, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, our, our social status is very significant. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. should be trying to cultivate social status because that means something. And the reality is, is that none of that stuff means anything. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But if people didn't have that, they would have this huge emotional collapse that would be devastating. And a lot of people probably wouldn't recover from it. But if you can go into that place and confront all of that, you're going to come out the other side with a lot less ego. You're mm. going to kind of recognize that all these things are illusions and you have a lot more freedom to then feel and experience life more like this bellows that Lao is talking about. Just this, you're part of this living organism and you're experiencing what it's like to be part of this giant organism. Right, right, right. Uh, Then the, um, you know, I see in a lot of people's stories or also through history, certain adverse, uh, you know, circumstances or life's challenges are imposed upon somebody, Mm -hmm. right? So that um, force, that external force, you know, may serve as a almost like a catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then their change and transform- transformation happens. Um, but a lot of times in our culture, how do you advise, uh, you know, others and, you know, our listeners, like, in- navigate this? You know, like, it seems like instinctively, uh, we want to hold on to that thing, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like when you describe this whole situation, it seems like um, there's the abyss, you know, like you you, you look at the, uh, the, the you, you're on a cliff, right? Yep. So you're really, for as long as you, you're holding on to, you know, something on that cliff, you know, maybe a branch of, tr- you know, trees or something, and you're looking... You, Sometimes you're looking at, okay, down there, there's the bottomless thing, right? So how do you, uh, either sometimes something happened to you and then you're forced to do that. Like in most of the people, you know, we're in this kind of uh, very, within our comfort zone. Yep. How would you, uh, you know, what's your recommendation in terms of navigating and making... What are the pathways, in other ways, that you have you see? Well, unfortunately, and this is why most people will just mm-hmm. kind of stay in the comfort zone. To the the pathway 
initially and I guess even after that, there there's a lot of emotional suffering and challenges because mm-hmm. you have to let you have to let go of all of your solid footing, which is what gives yeah. you comfort. And when you let go of your solid footing and just let yourself be in the bellows, it's like a dragonfly going from one blade of grass to the next. Like there's nothing solid in your existence anymore. It's just whatever is in that moment you're experiencing and the psychological discomfort of letting go of all of your you know, valued beliefs and illusions and um, cultural symbols, cultural norms, it's very painful. And so I guarantee you, most people are not going to do that. They're going to stay within, you know, the normal programming of society. Right, yeah. right, right. So I guess, you know, what I'm asking is, um, can you practice? Like, you know, we know out of nowhere something can happen to you. Then, you know, you have nothing to necessarily, you try to hold on to something, but then you face that situation. You have to in that, uh, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about, you know, everyday life. Mm. Is there a way to practice it? that you are building that muscle mm-hmm. um, that if something happens, then you are able to say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better navigating that, this thing. I mean, yeah, it, it has to be reflection. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's that, and this is why I think reading and reflection are mm-hmm. the best tools and, and, and then just when you read and reflect or just reflect, I mean, you don't have to read if you're just observing and reflecting, mm-hmm. but you, you have to go into your mind and actively eradicate those false beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to actively go in and deconstruct all of those mm-hmm. illusions out of your head. And and that doesn't happen in a day. I mean, you're going to be working on that for a long time. And even after the fact, it, it's not like they completely go away because even like Krishnamurti says, I mean, that programming, once it's there, I mean, you can't forget mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that like there's, there's right. still remnants of that, but it's that your relationship to the illusions changes but you do have to, I mean, that, that is, that is the only thing that you can do. You have to, you have to look inside, you have to analyze your own illusions. You have to analyze your own, I mean, really kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and just kind of like free yourself of it, like be willing to let go of it and accept whatever, emotional experience happens as a result of that, even if it's uncomfortable and, and, and painful. Um, if you want to kind of transcend that or change your relationship to it, I mean, that's what has to be, that's what has to happen. And it, and it, it, it's not unlike if you're trying to sculpt a really athletic physique, I mean, that daily work of trying to shape those muscles, it's doing the same thing with our minds, but not in like a vain way, in a way where we're really making ourselves much, much sm- smaller. Like we're, we're removing ourselves as the center of the universe. And we're really going in and saying like, yes, all of these beliefs that I have, it's just programming. And I, I, I can, shift my experience and exist without needing to cling to all of these. It seems like, um, you know, just, you know, based on the, you know, normal human psychology, you know, that's this, we constantly, we weigh, you know, the loss, 
and the game, right? Mm -hmm. No pain, no gain. You know, mm -hmm. that's the yeah. common saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in here, it sounds like, you know, you're going to kind of deconstruct. You're going to, you know, see through. You're going to, all mm -hmm. these things are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So, but is there anything you can look forward to? So that's what I'm seeking. Like, say, you know, um, what would be, you know, if I lose this, I lose the, uh, uh, how would you say, the, I let go all these illusions, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you gaining? Emotional riches. You know, if you are gaining, like, despair, you say, oh, you know, there's the this outdoor emptiness or, you know, this meaninglessness mm -hmm. in everything, then does that lead to sui suicidal thoughts? But how do you, you know, or is it suicidal thought, actually there's something beyond that suicidal thought, um, there's something greater. Yep. That's what I'm, you know, seeking. Um, because if there's no incentive to let go, if on the other side is the pure pit, Right. Yeah, for for sure. And I, and I think for most people, they should just stay in their comfort zone. They should just keep doing their, you know, life the way that we've kind of been programmed and stay in that. What I would consider for most people, for yeah, most people, most that's people. what do you what do you why? Why is that? Why is that? What's the rationale for that? It's probably not worth it's probably not worth it to them. It's like, mm. you know, the. the they would probably, again, these illusions came to us for a reason because mm. we needed them to deal with the anxiety and dread of recognizing our own mortality when, when our brains evolved to think symbolically and, mm. and created language. That's when we started to recognize there's a you, there's an I, and once that I emerged, now mm -hmm. all kinds of symbols started getting associated with that I, you know, my, yeah, yeah. my, my country, my family, my life, my possessions, my God, and all that stuff. And wrapped up in all those symbols, that's what gave people enough emotional and psychological stability to navigate an existence that is ter terrifying. Yes. And, yes. And so all of that exists for evolutionary reasons. And so, you know, <laughs> most people should just go with it, right? Just like go along, go, go along with it. But, but mm. for people who really are seekers and people who really want to um, keep going further than that and go beyond that, there is this process and what's on the other side of it, I would say it's it's that poetic experience of life. So rather than living what I would say is a very two-dimensional psychological experience, that's just what's programmed. I mean, it's 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 when you know I will be in a very what I would say a Taoist frame of mind out in nature walking and then encounter someone who will start talking to me and I recognize that they're coming from that very, you know, that two dimensional way, that programmed way that, you know, I, I remember when I thought that way too, and just all the assumptions that you had to hold on to, to even engage in conversation. And it's very difficult now because it, like when people start talking about their mm -hmm. house, their houses or the market or, you know, the Vikings game or, or whatever these things are. And, mm -hmm. and it just seems so foreign and, and disconnected from my experience because I would say I'm generally experiencing things. What I would say, what seems to be more about, the emotional poetic experience of e each moment without tying it necessarily to 
a broader theme or these broader cultural norms. And so what's on the other side is just a much richer emotional experience and a much fuller experience of life where there's not so much fear of losing all of these petty little things that society programs us to hold on to because you've already kind of let go of all that stuff. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And it doesn't I mean think. that you don't care about anything. Like, obviously, if you you start, you care a lot more about the important things in your life and care a lot less about the things that aren't important. So, like, care a lot less about material things and possessions. You care a lot less about your status in society. You care a lot less about you definitely don't care about celebrity stuff and sports stuff and all of these cultural things that we're told should should matter a lot to us. Like all that stuff stops mattering. And what matters then is each precious moment of experience you have, particularly with the people that you love and value because you see the specialness of their experience, the fragility of their experience Mm -hmm. the the infinity of their experience and obviously it would be very painful to lose any of those people or 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 things but i believe it's a much more full human experience than the the programmed one that we generally start our lives with as adults yeah yeah I can hear like the the key word here is to like a care less or, um, you know, you um, in other words, I feel like nowadays. um, Nowadays, people are so um, one dimensional or so singular. Yeah, I think that causes a lot of pain and causes a lot of the problems. Mm-hmm. If we can take anything just um, as an or- ordinary people um, and and start to put things into perspective, I think it will help a lot in terms of, you know, ordering our lives, prioritizing. Um, mm-hmm. As for, as you said, maybe not, it's not for everyone to walk the, f- the farthest, the, 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 the journey you know, as a lot of us maybe spiritually gifted, mm-hmm. I sort of feel acknowledged that we human beings are different in the sense of, I think certain people, either they have the genetic or the, they have the gift mm-hmm. to realize more. You know, for example, last time we talked about somebody like, you know, Krishna Murti, mm-hmm. you know, maybe according, you know, compared to other human beings, you know, he can go very far, yeah. right, in terms of his realization. Without being destroyed is the key, is the key thing. What, what do you mean by that? Without, without collapsing emotionally and, and having a nervous breakdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess the reason for that is probably there's something he was able to see beyond that can sustain him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the tricky part is, where do you know that, you know, this whole thing, this whole pit or darkness can fall upon you, it becomes, you know, a force. Mm-hmm. Somehow I feel like even in that journey, no matter how far you go, there's this very delicate balance, don't Definitely. you think? Oh, yes. there Because they're, cause it's just like what we learn with yin and yang, they're, they're both always present. There's always, even when you're feeling the fullest love within that, there's still that um, void mm. or nothingness that that's present in that, that it, it's required. Like how could it, if we knew that everyone that we cared about was going to have a, this blissful life forever, we wouldn't feel the same kind of we couldn't feel that love toward them yeah 
I think so. Yeah, I think even like, for example, in Buddhism, they talked about okay, this emptiness, but there's also at least in the Chinese version of the Buddhism, they talk about return to this world, you know, to be a monk in the marketplace or to have compassion with the ordinary zhongsheng, uh, like all mm. you know living beings. Mm -hmm. So in other words, there's that interesting balance that um, the realization that starts to kind of the crack all the bubbles that you have, like mm -hmm. the illusions. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's not the end of it. No. That's not the whole purpose of it. The whole no. purpose is then you can come back with yeah. a, a, a detached view or maybe a, 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 a refreshed, transformed view of everything. Yeah. Including the mud and everything. Then yes. you have a big heart for that. Yes. Which kind of leads to the maybe the last topic of our discussion today, which is that last sentence, center. What do you what's your understanding of that center? Like hold on to that center. If that center is the pit that you're talking about, is that tension? Maybe uh, how do you how do you how do you understand that center? Lao Tzu talked about. Yeah, I mean the the, the center is hmm. It's simple, but it's complicated at the same time. And I think for, mm. in some ways, I think you could, you could probably say the three treasures are kind of the center, you know, not, not putting yourself first. So in other words, like not acting from the ego, mm -hmm. being moderate. So, you know, not going to e extremes with, with anything. And then that kindness, which, you know, to me, the the word for kindness uh, different than Ren because Ren still has more of that you know kind of like a for and maybe this is just because of my association with with Confucianism but uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. formality to it where Tsu is more of this just like natural kindness yeah natural spontaneous yeah, spontaneous. spontaneous versus ordered like Ren which is like a set of rules right so that's kind of that centered place um, where you're just kind of observing and not from an egocentric place, just as part of, and here's the key thing of the present moment, like what, what's happening right, right now. And, and in this it, e eternal now that we're existing within keeping that center. And I think the three treasures are kind of Lao's way of giving you some extra tips on that, that emotional state to cultivate, to navigate the present moment with mm -hmm. uh, Shou Zhong. I see. Does that center also involve the emptiness and the nothingness yeah. uh, as a part of it? Because yeah. I, I read somewhere, you know, about a Christian uh, mystic, in, you know, like uh, his name is Meister uh, Eckhart uh, mm. in, in Germany. Mm. He used the German word is the ground. Mm. That ground uh, is the emptiness. So mm. he realized that only when he realized kind of center him in that ground uh, where everything kind of starts to manifested but in that ground is the ground of nothingness mm -hmm. so i you know i you know i was thinking about it so that isn't that so i'm trying to kind of connect what you're saying like the three treasures is there a connection between your realization of emptiness and nothingness and that compassion is that the same yes. place Yes, because that's what you recognize. There is no ground and that everyone's experiencing and confronted with the, the terror that that can entail. And yeah. being kind and having compassion for each other, for the human condition, that then becomes the ground. So it's that that's what the spiritual essence is then about, where to some extent, we're no longer, there's this concept of naive realism where 
we're looking at the world as if what we're experiencing in our experience is the objective world outside of us and that there is this objective world out there that looks like yeah. what we're seeing. And th the switch is that, no, this is actually more of a spiritual world that we're already living in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that doesn't have a ground, that is, there is no objective world. There is a world of consciousness, of spirit, you could almost say, mm -hmm. and that we're all sharing it together but it's only through our experience that 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 world is manifest that and and actually quantum physics already supports this so science mm. already is supporting this idea that there isn't an objective world we live within a world of of spirit of groundlessness and it's only through our experience that we enact a world so to some extent it's a shift from ourselves as physical beings. And this kind of goes back to when we were talking about a seeming contradiction, but still requires each other for wholeness that yes, there is a, there is a physical aspect of existence, but ultimately it's more of already a spiritual plane that we experience, our experiences are in that spiritual plane. Right, right. Physical element to it. Right. So it sounds like that center has this very interesting uh, paradox or kind of a two things over there that you could say maybe the more nothingness or emptiness you uh, you, you realize that the more compassionate, more sacred. It can be so. In other words, th mm -hmm. this is a this center can be can be both. Yep. Or in other words, it's a like can be bitter and sweet because yep. it's all bitter. It's all despair, right? That 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 can be very horrible. Maybe yep. that horrible feeling comes first. Yep. But I think beyond so. that horrible feeling, that this eternal peace, yep. eternal love in yep. there, yep. It, which is not like manufactured or, 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 or you're doing this just for the show of it, or you are applying, you are complying to something, yep. a norm. It's like spontaneously, it just naturally emerges from that sense of nothingness and emptiness. It, it, exactly. Uh, the metaphor that was coming to mind while you were talking was that you're on this magic carpet ride mm. and and the the magic carpet is made of your compassion of your love of your sacredness mm -hmm. and you're flying that magic carpet through this terrain of despair illusion mm -hmm. fear and but there's also then all of the other experiences of, of, of joyfulness, of heroism, of um, just these poetic experiences of life. But you're always on there. There's there's not a ground. There's just this magic carpet of your own spirit that's constructed of those essences that we've talked about or, or those cultivating those sacred gifts that sometimes I, I, I will call in my own therapy with people, I will talk about the sacred, sacred gifts of acceptance, compassion, and, and forgiveness. And I think, you know, then that's what we're flying upon. There, the, the ground is gone. We're, we're flying through this world of broken dreams, but this magic carpet is something that gives us just enough substance to navigate. Even it is an illusion, you know, a magic carpet. We don't necessarily think of it as completely. But it's a pointer. It's almost yeah. like, a use, like a useful pointer, which, you know, comes back to our this chapter about that that bellow thing, right? Yep. So, the, you know, if you see that 
it's both kind of empty but inexhaustible. Mm-hmm. That's almost like the the, the two th- things. You know, the emptiness is the really the spirit of it. Because of that spirit of it, unlike the the matter we usually sees, mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't it ha- it doesn't kind of exhaust itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any limit to. I think when we when we think about the real spiritual figures in history. Jesus, Buddha, mm-hmm. Lao Tzu, I mean, there, there, there's many, but not that many when you think about how many people have been on the planet. They're the ones that have tapped into what I believe that, that bellows, which is really about that infinite sacred love that when, once you start tapping into it, you can just keep tapping into it more and more and more. There's no limit. To it. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. It sounds like based on, you know, today's discussion that we can conclude that the potential is there. The The potential can't be limited, unlimited, mm-hmm. but it, it varies from individual to individual. As an individual, if we care certain things less, we are able to, you know, we are able to experience or um tap into something more right so less and more but uh, you know that equation change i think that's a practical a step we can try and take care of and and then from there we can just see how far we can go because we don't know until we immerse ourselves into in, in this process but that journey starts with taking another look at our life and see whether we things we care so much, so dear, are there certain illusion in it? And once we are able to do that, and we can shift our mental energy into some other possibilities, so that yes. our life, you know, we, we can see our possibilities in our life in a fresh with a fresh eye. Exactly, and 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 the I think the key thing to also mention is that so long as our orientation and our our mental state mm-hmm. is all clinging to that programmed of experience of putting looking for security in our careers in mm-hmm. our 401ks mm-hmm. in our political party in our military and mm-hmm. our our tv shows and programs in our um, all of our cultural kind of norms, that mm. that is actually what gets in the way of stepping into that more spiritual plane where there is that ability then to practice that grace, that love, that that other dimension. And and but that's the problem why it's going to be problematic for most people, all of their security has been built up into that 401k, the economic system, the, um, well, all of the, all of those, their, their house, their, um, career, etc. And to just say like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to look like, I'm not going to flush all that down the toilet, but I'm, I'm not going to stake my like i'm not going to believe in that stuff the way that i used to believe it and i'm not going to cling to it the way that i used to cling to it and enter a different space most people just aren't going to do that because they're obsessed they're they're obsessed with all that stuff like hey maybe we should uh, treat them 401k as a straw dog what do you think about it right treat them as a straw dog it has its own place and function in society yeah but you know, not, you know, take it for something like permanent, we yeah. hold on to it, let it fulfill its own function, and leave it at that. Yeah, that will itself will give us that space yeah. for freedom. Yeah, not not exchange our spirits for these things anymore. I mean, when when people live that two dimensional life, where 
it's programmed. I mean, it, it's this programmed way and, and every, and most people know how to interact within that. They know how to talk about things in that programmed way and, and it reinforces itself, but it, it's a barrier. It's, it's a, it is a barrier to that other, all, everything that we're talking about in chapter five. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you for uh, sharing and for this uh, great discussion um, on the basis of this uh, chapter. And, uh, you know, I hope that our listeners are, you know, can benefit from this conversation. And, uh, and I'll look forward to our next uh, discussion, you know, around Tao Te Ching and Taoism.